You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, C1. Come on, somebody. I wish somebody would just stand to their feet right now and clap and shout and celebrate because it's homecoming. I said I wish somebody would shout out loud because it's homecoming. I said it's homecoming. The sons and the daughters are coming home. Can somebody just say hallelujah? (laughs) That's a little hillbilly, but it's okay. Would you just high-five a couple of people around you and just tell them, it's homecoming! (sighs) You can find your seats. You never thought you would, the whole hinge of that entire video was gaff tape saved my life. But you know, Christians can be so stupid. And we can be so filthy and yet so self-righteous at the same time. You know what I'm saying? And I said it a couple weeks ago on the podcast. You can listen to it. But I'd rather be the whore at Jesus' feet, washing his feet with sweet perfume than the Pharisee sitting at the table judging it. This is not a church full of Pharisees. And you know what? It's funny because what we want to do so badly is beat people up with this book but the whole point is to give you a purpose and a destiny. And I said, you know what? I love you, Ozzy. God's got something for your life, and I believe it's going to start in the small thing. So here's some gaff tape. And did you know that as he was down on the ground on his hands and knees just laying that gaff tape, I believe that was Ozzy's sweet perfume that he was pouring out on the feet of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started speaking to him and saying, son, I love you. I loved you at your darkest. No less than I love you right now, gaff, in this whole stage. God loves you for who you are, not who you're going to be, because we're never, we're never going to be who we ought to be. Get over it. Get over it. Get over yourself. We are a Pharisee-killing church, amen? Not literal, okay? Somebody got fired up. Some guy wearing camouflage got fired up in the audience. We're watching you. The definition of homecoming is the return of a group of people, usually on a special occasion to a place formerly frequented or regarded as home. And this series is homecoming, and I believe that this place is going to begin to swell even more than it has been already as the people that you counted out of the game, the ones that you said there ain't no way they're going to be in that movie theater, are going to be shouting out next year, we receive your rain. And you'll be like, what? Aren't you still drunk from last night? And they're going to look at you and say, it's homecoming. I said, it's homecoming. Over there, I said, it's homecoming. Y'all don't even know. You're like, we dropped out. (laughs) I'm fired up because God is doing miracles in your midst, and you could miss out on it, but I'm not missing out on it. I'm celebrating what God's doing here in this house. Thank God for V1 Church. Thank God for my eternal girlfriend, Julie Signorelli. Pastor Julie's back home. Man with that fire. 
<laughs> Why don't you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15? We're actually going to read the Bible in this church today. Don't we love the Bible? Who here loves Scripture? Don't we love to go deeper? Don't we love to know the person of God through Scripture? Come on now. Luke chapter 15 tells a story. The story of the lost son, if you're reading the message, but maybe your translation says the prodigal son. And this story is near and dear to me um, because I believe that in, inside of every single one of us, whether you're male or female, is this wayward, lost element in search of your true identity. And, and can I just tell you as you're turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 that no matter where you are at right now, You've got to go through a process where God begins to peel back the layers of your indoctrination. He's got to peel back the layers of Long Island coffee and culture. Was that really bad? <laughs> He's got to peel back the layers of what your mom and dad said you were. Do you know that my nickname is Doolittle? Did you not know that? I still don't understand why. I did say that when I, before I die, my, I'm going to write an autobiography, Doolittle did a lot. You know, but my family calls me Doolittle, so if you're around my family, they'll say, hey, it's Do, and you're like, Do? So is it Dude, Hillbilly Dude? But, you know, you guys call me Pastor Mike. In some circles among friends and colleagues, they call me Mike. But do you know that, I, that the Bible actually says that before you were ever in that crazy mother named Sandra, before you were ever in her womb, I knew you. Which means that I, the Bible, and this, this is about you too, that you had a destiny and an existence and a name before they gave you a name. So they might call you Doolittle. They might call you Michael. They might call you Sherry, Sally, Susie. But God's got a name and an existence and an identity for you before you were ever in your mother's womb. So can I just tell you, the only way you're truly going to know who you are and what you are is not by watching more YouTube videos or sometimes even reading other books. But you've got to peel back all those layers and meet your manufacturer because he's the only one who can tell you who you were that he knew before you were in the womb. Can I get an amen? And that's what's different about this place. This is why this is not a TED Talk. This is church. Because it's in this place that you encounter your maker. Because I can't change you. You know, V1 Church is really bad at changing people. Even though we've got a great culture. Mike Signorelli is very bad at changing people. You know who my biggest project to change was for the last decade? My wife. You know how successful I was at that? Not you are still the same for better or for worse, <laughs> mainly better. But I tell couples all the time as they're in their premarital counseling, I'm like, okay, do you really want to marry them? And they're like, yeah, I want to marry them so bad. I'm like, no, I'm going to ask you again. Do you really want to marry them? Well, uh, and, they, and, and it starts coming unglued for them. And I said, because listen, the reality is the core of their being, unless God does it, it ain't happening. And so V1 Church is not about manipulation. V1 Church is not about using scripture to, to manipulate you. But if I can create an encounter with God, something will begin to happen even while you're laying the gaff tape on the ground. Evan, get ready. The Dream Team gaff tape department is getting ready to grow. <laughs> I'm going to read you a story about another wayward son often referred to as the wayward son. So take a look in uh, chapter 15, verse 11. 
And yes, first time, second time visitors, that is a sweat rag. Welcome home. (laughs) Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, this is what he said. Dad, father, I want right now my inheritance, what's coming to me. For those of you taking notes, you can write this first part down. Number one, desire without process will destroy you. Can I say it again for the people in the back? Desire without process will destroy you. Desire without process will take you very far away from your true home. We've got desires in this place. Desires to go and accomplish these crazy things and desires for relationships. The single one's loins are on fire with desire. It's the number one motivation to come into church every Sunday. It's like Tinder in real life. (laughs) Desire without process will destroy you. I don't want to date. I just want to go on Craigslist and hook up. That'll destroy you. There is a process. My wife put me through a process. I remember on our second date, she said, don't touch me, and you're not going to touch me for a long time. And I said, well, let's make a bet. She won. Desire without process. There are things that we want in our life that if we got it when we wanted it, when we had the desire for it, it would destroy us. And so even God withholding a thing for you is his wisdom. And we're like, but God, please, I want her now. No, you want the smell of shampoo. You don't want a woman. You're going to have to take care of her. Somebody got it. Everyone else was convicted. (laughs) Desire without process will destroy you. And so we have a picture with this story in Luke chapter 15. What happens when you actually get your desire? What happens when the father grants it? And sometimes God doesn't withhold it because he's already given you free will. Somebody say free will. Free will is the reason why Christians can't understand why the genie in the bottle magic wand experience of Christianity doesn't work. Free will is God empowering you. And so prayer, therefore, isn't asking God to do it. It's giving him permission to invade the world he gave us dominion to do. And so all of a sudden, when you give him permission to invade, he, you're saying, God, I align my free will with your sovereign will. Come and invade this space. That's how we should pray. Not God clean up the mess we made every single time without giving us the wisdom to stop making it. All right. Everyone's leaving now. You know, because as as these tragedies continue to unfold in our nation, a world is getting increasingly um, hardened hearts towards prayer, not understanding that God gave us dominion. And so prayer is partnering our dominion and our will with the perfect will of God. And so we do both. We pray, we pray, and then we check in every single Sunday and give education to kids in Haiti, and we mobilize efforts and do what we can do. But this guy right here said, I don't want nothing to do with that. I just want what's mine selfishly. And desire without process will destroy you. So the father divided the property. We're going to kind of take this verse by verse, and we'll be out of here soon. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. Said wasted. Right? He's the first dude in scripture to get wasted. I'm just kidding. That was stretching it. 
That was stretching the historical context, sorry. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through the country, and he began to hurt. Isn't that funny? So he wasted all of his money, and then there was a famine. And guess what he probably did initially? Blame the famine. That's wisdom. We do that all the time, right? We squander all of our own resources, and then something else bad happens, and we're like, it had to be just that thing. Couldn't have possibly been my contribution. Then all of a sudden, this is what happens. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. This is, uh, just to bring back the context, this is an indentured servant. So all out of money and a famine hitting the land. You know, a famine hitting the land is another way of saying that there was nobody there to give him a handout because they were all taking care of themselves. So at this point, all of his resources are gone. The nation's resources are gone. And it says this, he signed on with a citizen to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but no one would give him any. Can I just stop right there? So this guy... When he took his father's inheritance, this would have been a lifetime sum of money that was given to him as was part of their custom. And when this guy first started his journey, he had stacks on stacks. His stacks had stacks. He was spinning the cheese. You know what that means, Long Island? This dude was balling. Do you guys still say that, balling? No? A millennial yelled out, no. This guy had money, and he was spinning it like there was no tomorrow. He was making rap videos every day of the week. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, fast forward, the money's gone. He's an indentured servant actually slopping with the pigs. In other words, his job was to get in the trough and feed them, and they wouldn't even give him, his own close friends wouldn't even give him a corn cob that he was feeding to the pigs. And you know for those of you who are asking, how do I get to the next level in life? Let me tell you right now, this is number two. Never mix seasonal people with lifetime expectations. Somebody print that out and put that on your wall at work and let them all see it. You want me to tell you how you can light your way home? Burn all the bridges of the relationships that you shouldn't have in your life right now and let those burning bridges light your way back home to the Father, somebody. We're going there. You know, there are relationships that you shouldn't be in, and part of your freedom is cutting them off. There are some people in the timeline of Ozzy's life who were more in love with Ruby Diamond, the performer, than Ozzy, the person. And see, what I love so much about Jesus is about how he peels back all those layers of culture, all those layers of the years that we are bullied and ridiculed, all those complexities that we have. And he speaks to the person when the rest of the world is still speaking to the persona. And sometimes to go to the next level, you've got to light the way by burning some bridges. You know, some people, they aren't actually loyal to you. They are loyal to your ability to meet their needs. And when the need changes, their loyalty changes. That's real talk. And you won't know that until sometimes you've spent all of your resources and everything you had, and suddenly you're not the one setting up the shots at the club anymore. And they're no longer to be found. You know, many times... Friends in your life, they can't support you publicly because of what they said about you privately. 
Oh, I'm preaching good. I may not be getting a whole bunch of feedback right now, but I'll tell you, there are people in your life that you're like, why don't they have my back publicly? Well, let me just tell you, brother or sister, it's because of what they're talking about privately. We don't have that kind of church. I'll tell you straight up. Am I right? There you go. <laughs> why are you so afraid to lose somebody who's not yours? Maybe you're dating right now. Maybe you're in a fling right now. Why are you so afraid to lose somebody who's not yours? You know what that's called? Codependency. You know, listen, when people are two-faced, one thing you can be assured of is you can't trust either face. Somebody's getting free right now. Somebody's getting free right now. <laughs> and it took him squandering his father's resources, his father's inheritance, everything that was given to him, and being in that pig's pen, slopping with the pigs to learn who his real friends really were. I think that when I hear Ozzy's story, he was in a place where he realized, man, I've given more of a life to the persona than I have to the person. And he let Jesus invade. Let me just keep reading. Chapter 15, verse 17 says this. When he realized these people didn't have his back, it says that brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father, they sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father and I'm just going to say to him, father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't even deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. Like I'll be a slave. He got right up and he went to his father. This is point number three. While you're rehearsing your homecoming prayer, God is already preparing your homecoming party. See, when you're still in the back of your mind saying, maybe today I can just wake up and go to church. And, and, and man, how do I explain to God the fact that I keep going back to that filth? How can I explain to God what I've done with all the goodness he's given to me in my life? How can I explain to God this fall from grace over while you're still rehearsing the prayer that you're going to say in this church, God has already begun the celebration, preparation to bring you back home because it's homecoming part every single day and I mean mark my words before this series is over we are going to be surrounded by people that you counted out I'm telling you let me keep reading verse 20 says this when he was still a long way off his father saw him let me just pause right there while he still didn't have his stuff together while he was still late on his bills, while his wife and him were still in a bitter argument. Am I, does somebody hear me today? When you are, while they were still going through the mess, going through the funk, while they were still confused, while they still open up their phone to go back to the addiction, while they are still pouring the drink down their throat, while they are still filling their lungs with the smoke and the fire of the counterfeit of the peace I want to give them, while they're still choking down the pills, while the needle is still in their arm, somebody, while they still are detoxing while they're still on the journey to sobriety while they're still messed up it says while he was far off he began to look for him and make preparations for a celebration 
Listen, his heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and he kissed him. A kiss is an intimate thing that is exchanged between a son and a father. It says the son started his rehearsed, religious, pious speech that he learned in Catholic school years ago. He began to just conjure up all the religious, pious filth that he was instructed in the days of old to give his father the rehearsed speech. And it says this, but the father wasn't listening. Let me tell you what kind of prayer God's not listening to. God's not listening to the rehearsed prayer of your mouth. He's listening to the longing of your heart. And when your heart begins to connect with his heart, he won't even pay attention to how religious you're prayers can sound and how eloquent they can sound but at a heart level you're saying God change me God was calling to his servants you know what that's representative of provision and resources provision and resources he was calling to his servants quick do it fast bring a clean set of clothes and dress them put the family ring which is a signifier of legacy there's many of you in this room who don't have a legacy because the men who went before you never came home to the father's home but when he places the ring on your finger it's saying this is legacy Julie inherited a legacy because her dad said, in an age where no one will stand for God, I will stand for God. In an age that will tell you do whatever you want with your sexuality, I will raise women who will walk with purity according to God's standard. And that ring, and some of us, if you're like me, and your dad's dead, and your dad went to jail, and you're in that position where you're like, there is no ring for my family. Would you come home and let God place the legacy of this kingdom on your hand? He says, get a grain-fed heifer. I'm sorry, vegans. This is his way of saying we're about to have a barbecue party because the sun's come home. It's going to be a feast. And he went from not having the corn cob of the pig slop to having the corn-fed heifer barbecue party for him. And if you're in your heart right now, how am I going to come out of this land of lack? How am I going to, I just feel like in my personal life, there's nothing left. And and I just can't muster it up anymore. It's not going to be by your works. What I love about this story the most, and this is point number four, you'll never be able to celebrate your identity while you're still striving for identity. While he was still far off, the celebration arrangements were made. You know what that means? He didn't say after he got his act together and was porn free for 30 days and finally preached his testimony on the microphone of V1 Church and looked holy to everyone. It says when he became the recipient of celebration was the moment he turned around 180 degrees and faced the opposite direction and said, I'm going home. It's homecoming time. When I think about Ozzy's story, He said he was in upstate New York and the Holy Spirit began to deal with his heart and he said one phrase and Ozzy didn't even know the name of this message series when he filmed that video and the phrase that the Lord spoke to him was come home. That's what I'm speaking to somebody in this place. It's time to come home. Would you stand to your feet? Come home. Come home.
while he was still far off. Do you know that the brokenness in your life is just the cracks through which the goodness of God wants to enter to then draw you home? Do you know that the broken areas of your life are the cracks that become doors that he steps into to begin to draw you home? In order to change, we've got to do the things that scare us the most. The thing that scared this son the most in this story of the prodigal son was facing the dad that he did so wrong. That was the scariest thing. It wasn't starvation. It wasn't any of those other things. It was going back to the father that he know he wronged. Maybe you're in this place and you're like, oh man, the God who sees everything, come back to him, right? Because I've been faking my wife out real good and she doesn't know a third of what I'm doing behind closed doors. But come back to the God who sees everything. Oh man, you know, I faked my account now pretty good, but the God who sees everything, but if you're gonna have change in your life, you've gotta to begin to do the things that scare you the most. And this church is predicated on running toward the roar. This whole thing was built off of courage. This whole thing was running into the flames and saying, God, it looks like it's impossible, but through you all things are possible. And the only thing that should be waiting for you on the other side was the only thing that was waiting for Ozzy. He got two things. He got an embrace and he got a job. Because I said, I'm going to love you through every season of your life. And then I'm going to give you a destiny and a purpose by putting you to work. And some of you in this place on the other side of coming to God right now, all you're going to get is a warm embrace. And he's going to say, now get over it and let's get something done. We got a region to change. New York needs to hear the news about Jesus. I love this church. I love every single one of you. This is a lifelong commitment that I have made to you. You are sheep, not cattle. Uh, you know what I'm saying? A, a cow, you get them fat enough and you slaughter them and you make a steak at Ruth Chris. But a sheep, you shear. Sometimes you break their legs when they try to run away too many times and throw them over your back and walk them through a season so that when their legs heal again, they don't run off again. And sometimes as a pastor, you got to say the hard things that breaks those hind legs because people have in their DNA to run. And I'm here right now giving you a hard word, telling you to stop running. Stop running. You know... I started preaching when I was 15 years old. I had two medically verified miracles happen in two services that I preached before I was 18 years old. And they called me Mighty Mike. And even that name they gave me, I had to go back to who I was before I was in my mother's womb because there was gonna be a season later on in my life where I didn't look or feel too mighty. When I was 17 years old, I went to this youth conference and the speaker out of hundreds and hundreds of youth picked me out of the crowd and called me up front. And I thought this was going to be this powerful prophetic moment where God just tells this whole crowd that I'm the next Billy Graham with a beard, Billy with a beard. But instead, in front of hundreds of teenagers in Hammond, Indiana at the Civic Center, he looked at me and he said, stop running from God. 
And my initial thought was, you are clearly not a pro prophetic person because you don't know who I am. I I'm a teenage preacher. They used to actually let me go uh, from my high school to other high schools to speak at their Bible clubs during the middle of the school day. I had such a supernatural favor on my life to communicate the gospel that I was given these open doors. I'm like, this dude he clearly is not hearing from God. And he said it again, stop running from God. And I'm like, I wanted to yell back to him, you are stupid. But you know, I just stood there and I received it. And it wasn't several years later that I found myself in full-blown atheism, drunk. I wasn't Mighty Mike. I wasn't preaching. I was in a Big Ten university, confused by the biology professors that told me that God didn't exist. And when I was in my darkest hour, guess what words? Just like a bomb with a four or five year wick that was slowly migrating towards that moment. Stop running from God. It became this alarm that started to sound inside my spirit. I heard that guy again. Stop running from God. And God in his grace and his mercy had just deposited that word in my spirit for that season. And so if you're hearing me right now, I got to deposit that word in your belly. Stop running from God and maybe you don't need it today but you're going to need it one day because you're going to see the impossibility of cancer you're going to see the impossibility of divorce you're going to see the impossibility of your finances and then you're going to hear the word stop running from the father's house because everything you need is waiting for you right there come on somebody Right now, I'm gonna put you in the crossroads and you are never gonna be able to stand before God and say you didn't get the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And just like marriage, that ceremony is not the end, it's the beginning. And I wake up every single morning and I look at Julie and I say, in sickness and in health, and come on. And I load that coffee machine, that Keurig, and I say I do every single day. Some of you in this place, we're gonna pray a prayer together, but I'm gonna release you through this week and you're gonna have to wake up every day and say, God, I do, I do again, I do again, I do again, God, I'm here, I'm here. No matter what it looks like, I'm here, I'm staying in the house. Would you just close your eyes? Let's remove all the distractions. While your eyes are closed, uh, think back to those images of Ozzy that you saw. Maybe some of you were appalled to see a man dressed like that, but can I just submit to you that you're a performer too. You're a performer too. And there's areas in your life that it's time to take up, take the makeup and the mask and the wig, take it off, undress yourself before the king of kings and say, this is what I am, okay? I wish I was more. I tried to prove to Instagram I was more. I tried to prove to Facebook I was more. I tried to prove to everyone around me that I was more, but this is really what I am. And it's in that moment that you will truly be saved. While you're still far off from that person you think you should be rehearsing your religious prayer, all the angels that are circling around this space that you're in right now are preparing to blow the trumpet and shower the triumphant voice that the sons and daughters have come home. If you're here today with no one looking around and you're saying, I want this Jesus. 
that Ozzy talked about. I want the God of Ozzy. I want the God of Mike Signorelli and the God of Julie and the God of Randy. I want that God to be God in my life. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, I want that God to be my God. So many people in this place making a commitment right now. You can put your hands down. I want you guys to just use my words, borrow my words right now. We're going to end this service with a huge smile on our face because a smile tells confusion, not today. A smile tells anxiety and worry and dread and apprehension, <laughs> not today. But we're going to leave this place triumphant. Can somebody get down with that? So just pray with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm coming home. I give all of me to all of you. Wash me clean. Do what only you can do with this life. I trust in you. I rely on you. I'm forever yours. Today, tomorrow, forever. It's homecoming. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.